Rise podcast. I'm Sammy and this is Allison. And today we're joined by Tiffany Fitzpatrick of Tiffany Fitzpatrick Co. And she is a beautiful um, intuitive tarotist and a eclectic gray witch and a financial strategist. So we've got a lot of things to cover today all about her journey, taking a look at witchcraft and witch, all things witchery, if you will, and then uh, moving a little bit into the magic of money and how all of that works at Tiffany. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Oh, goodness. Um, that's such a long story. So we'll try and keep it short because uh, let's be honest, we don't have all day, right? Um, my <laughs> journey, oh gosh. So I, I have moved into the space where I am a foundational strategist because I realized with my ADHD brain, I was drawn to so many things and had so many tools um, in my tool belt that I didn't want to just focus on one thing. It didn't feel aligned with my soul to just focus on one thing. So I started digging underneath those things to see what was the, what was underneath them? What was the connecting root? And that was foundational. So using the skills in my, in my tool belt to help people strengthen their foundations the way I strengthen mine. Uh, I come from a background of poverty. I was raised in poverty. Uh, I was parentified, went through a lot of varied abuse as a child uh, and into my teenage years and was really grateful to come along the skills to kind of alchemize those into choosing who I wanted to be in my adulthood. And one of those skills was also magic, um, finding my own path of what felt like home for me religiously, because I was also raised Christian and it just didn't, it didn't feel like home to me. Uh, so I just kind of went searching with a lot of different uh, world religions and found my way towards Wicca, which is where I started. Um, I've now kind of evolved from there of instead of just being a part of Wicca and, and the beautiful traditions of Wicca, I am an eclectic witch. So I have I kind of pull a lot of rituals and a lot of techniques from different types of magical traditions and culminate them for my own personal magic and what I mentor others in. As far as money, I mentioned my childhood of growing up in poverty, seeing the choices that we were kind of like led to believe like we had to make. And I didn't really want that to be my life. Like I wanted, I had a very strong mindset as a child of once I turn 18, I can make my life what it is. And that was kind of the thought that got me through my childhood was if I can just make it to 18, I can make my life what I want it to be. And that literally just pulled me through. And one of those things was figuring out how to live in a more stable and secure manner financially without living in fear. And that's one thing that I've added along my path is making sure that I'm not living in fear, which is very difficult to do when you're, when you're raised with a poverty and scarcity mindset to shift that. So that's one thing I help other people do is to notice that and shift it. And so when I work with money, mindset, and magic, I'm really helping people to look at their own foundations, see where the, the weak structure points are and strengthen those so that they can feel confident moving from surviving, which so many of us, that's what we're taught. And that's what we do the rest of our lives is just survive. Moving from that into actually thriving and alchemizing our life into what we want it to be building it and strategizing it into what we want it to be rather than what we think we're able to settle with. I've used tools like uh, I actually have uh, a license in securities as well as life insurance. Uh, so I'm federally licensed as a financial expert in the United States, which I love. And so I, I not only helped myself 
move from living paycheck to paycheck and not understanding how to have money left over to save and into knowing about 401ks and IRAs and Roths and investments. And I'm literally just throwing out a word vomiting about different types of financial things that I didn't know until I became licensed in them. And I, I use trauma-informed shadow work to help not only myself, but also others rework and recode the traumas that they've been through that a lot of times are just sitting stagnant in our minds and our bodies and our subconscious in our energy centers. And I utilize that along with, with magic. One thing I'm really grateful for is doing a tarot reading, laying out cards and, or bones, which they're just such a beautiful tool. And being able to actually provide a strategy of step-by-step moving forward of, hey, this is where you should start. These are things that you can, you know, make this, this part of your journey easier. So seeing all these little things that I had kind of brought into my orbit of skills and tools and seeing that all of it was really a way to strategize my life moving forward and then recognizing that and figuring out how to do that for other people. It was a long journey and there's still a lot of roads to go, but I... I'm really blessed to be able to start helping other people the same way that I've kind of reworked my own life. And I look forward to helping other people with that. I love so much. Thank you for sharing. I love so much how you made it not scary because so often, (laughs) especially being in the female world, you use the word, first of all, the three scariest word, money, Mm -hmm. mindset. So then you're like thinking about, and then magic, right? Which we have Mm -hmm. innately with us. I just love so much how you're like, this is how it's going to be. This is so great. Yeah. And something else that you brought up, I think that is so important is how you really focused on a point in your life when you knew you couldn't, you didn't have any control and you couldn't do anything about it. And you looked forward to it towards a time where you were like, okay, there's a time when I can do this. So even then you are already even planning your life, which is so great. I want to get into witchcraft. Is that okay? Fuck yeah, absolutely. Cussing is okay, I'm assuming. Because it's already yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've absolutely. Uh I I could talk for weeks about witchcraft. Let's let's jump in. Being an eclectic ray witch, just like you you said that you kind of like pulled from different places. Can you kind of speak on what those different places are? Is it does it have to do with rituals or like how um you kind of curated your own way of being and and what that means in your like daily life. Like I said, I started with Wicca and I really loved at that time in my life as like a a preteen, this mindset of, uh, and it do no harm, you know, do what you will. And I really loved that. And of course that started to evolve. I think that was what I needed. I needed that like pure white witchcraft at that time. Um, And as I continued to evolve into other areas that kind of a changed into justifiable magic and gray magic and uh, etc and this mindset of if I'm going to protect myself and others from dark magic then I need to understand it in order to really protect from it other areas that I've looked into like I I hold a lot of uh, understandings from Hinduism and Buddhism Uh, in fact I've worked with Ganesha as one of the the deities that I worked with within my craft I've um, had his his blessing to do a tattoo on my arm, actually, um, which is not something you would th- traditionally think about having as a part of witchcraft. Um, I also work with uh, hoodoo and Appalachian root work and Scandinavian root work, um, which are things that have pulled in from from past lives and spirit guide suggestions. 
and just kind mm-hmm. of following my soul of where do I feel called. I've I've worked with angels and I've worked with demons. I've worked with other spirit guides. Um, I've found a technique to contact my own spirit guides and feel safe doing it. And in that was kind of opened up to some other areas like shamanism, uh, which is also past life connections and spirit guide connections. Um, Just kind of like listening to some of their suggestions and allowing myself to be led. And what I find interesting, especially with my ADHD brain, is that I sometimes will be led to like rabbit hole on a subject for the purpose of like, it may not even be for me and incorporating it into my belief system or, or my work just doing that rabbit hole because that information may be needed in a reading for someone else for their journey. And so I've learned to kind of just accept those needs to rabbit hole into information. I like to joke and call myself a lazy witch because I'm not one to do like big elaborate rituals 99% Mm -hmm. of the time. Uh, I'm much more about incorporating magic into your life and your business on a on a small but powerful scale so like freezer spells uh it's one of the most powerful things that you can do and it's so simple just a matter of like putting a name or even an attribute or bad habit on a piece of paper in your freezer and letting that just like do its own work or bay leaves like burning bay leaves to bring about wishes so simple but so powerful and those are a lot of the things that like for me on a day-to-day that's what I incorporate into my life there are times for rituals or, or times for like looking at what the phase of the moon is what day of the of the week are you doing a a ritual what's the focus is it banishment is it uh, manifestation etc and I've worked with everything from cleansing baths to candle magic to uh one of the thing one of my favorite things that i do is i put together grigri which are basically little like charms that you can hold in your pocket or in your purse and they're such simple blessings to give to people uh they're powerful but simple and that's a lot of where i work is helping people realize that it doesn't have to take up so much of your time to devote energy to this if you're feeling called to work in the magical arts you can start small and build from there everything from herbs, oils, candles, colors, even introducing frequency music for specific, there's so many things you can add in, but you can still be simple. And I love that. I hope that answers your question, Allison. Yeah, I know that's so perfect. Thank you so much. I just love how with witchcraft, it's really like a tactile doing, connecting with the earth and the community and everything around you in what feels right and I just love so much how you were open to all the things because I from what I understand you know through my time of witchcraft there are there is such a variety package right it's always a rainbow and some practices are closed and some are open so it's really great that you were able to experience all these things and share with that let's dive into shadow work because I know you mentioned that in Mm -hmm. in the beginning and I, I really would you be so kind to kind of expand like what is shadow work? What do you do? Like the steps, all that good stuff um, and how that's helpful in our lives. So I mentioned my childhood of trauma, uh, of abuse, and I did the traditional path of, of uh, therapy, which highly recommend. It has a benefit for everyone, regardless of traumatic background. For me, I had reached a place where, especially as a spiritual being, I felt like it was taking too long to find someone that really understood me as a spiritual being 
also trying to move through and process trauma. And I was blessed to find a shadow, shadow work integration uh, specialist that walked me through shadow work because I was very much in the same place. I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it before. In working with him and working through my own shadows, the magnitude of help that it brought me, it made me want to start putting that into my own work with other people because I saw the benefit. It is something where the way I see shadow work, if you really want to get nitty gritty and face your shit, shadow work is there for you. But if you need to, to be gently walked through your trauma, which is totally fine, whatever is work works for you, I fully support. It is kind of a rapid descent into your shadows to heal and fix some shit as yeah, that's it's, <laughs> And I like to call it like, it's kind of like a Pringle can. Once you pop, you can't stop. Like it's not just one Pringle that you're going to, that you're yeah. going to munch on. Like it's, you're going to start seeing them everywhere, but it's so worthwhile in my personal opinion. The shadow itself, the way I see it is the shadow is kind of like Peter Pan shadow, but it holds every aspect, every attribute, every belief, every characteristic, every behavior of ourselves that we don't want the world around us to see or that we don't want ourselves to see because for some reason at some point in our childhood or as we've grown up, that aspect has has been made to feel like it would bring us shame or it wasn't accepted or it wouldn't be common. Or So somehow right. if you had kept that shadow, you would have felt shamed or as an outlier. And so we kind of like shove this into the shadow. So then it kind of becomes like, the skeletons in the closet and you're like, Oh, don't go near that closet. And then we learn to not go near that closet too. There's an, uh, a spin to that of the golden shadow where if we're afraid to like outpace some of our peers or set the curve on an exam, or maybe we read really fast or whatever the good thing is where we're also made to feel like an outlier, then that goes into the golden shadow. It's like, Oh, don't let people know that you're like really smart at math because Everyone else is going to make fun of you and tease you, that kind of thing. And these are extreme examples to help you see the point of the shadow. So shadow work involves actually turning towards the shadow for, uh, for a lot of people for the first time in their lives since they've created right. the shadow and starting to kind of like piece apart the shadow slowly. The thing is, is that a lot of times our behaviors, our self-sabotaging behaviors started as a protective measure for ourselves when we were much younger our subconscious or even conscious put in a protective measure such as oh don't let people know you're really smart at math because they'll tease you so then you put that into the shadow so then 20 years later you're like why can't I do a simple math without reverting to a calculator when people right. are asking me, you know, what's 20 plus 14 like that's something really simple but your shadow has gotten so programmed to help protect you it doesn't realize that it's no longer in place like that's no longer necessary so shadow work is a matter of turning towards the shadow and being like hey I get that you that we put this measure in place to protect me but those protective measures have changed and we don't need them anymore in the in our current life so let's like work together to rewrite that code so that we can move forward together because this used that. to protect us and now it's holding us back yeah. And that's exactly what shadow work is to me. That's, and it's something I continue to do as I continue to face shadows. Cause like I said, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. And so, so remembering to like pace yourself and like 
be gentle with yourself and find a way yeah. to ground and come back to yourself because it's not all shadow work all the time. We have a life to live. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have, that's a, nuts. I, I have a quick question. Um, yeah. Can you explain to people that might not know, sorry, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Um, what the difference between white, gray, and I'm assuming, is there any other types of colors of which? Because I think people can easily Google or YouTube like eclectic or kitchen or green or whatever. But I think that the colors is what people are going to be like, oh, interesting. What are the colors about? Yeah, absolutely. So I refer to myself as a gray witch because there are times for justifiable magic, which some would consider dark magic if you're hexing or cursing or uh, which is not something I do a lot. And it's always something that I check in to make sure it's justified. Uh, because that kind of work is not something you want slapping you in the face. So white magic is typically something where you only do magic to help others. And in fact, there are some that believe you can't even do magic to help yourself. You should only do magic to help others. So it, a lot of that kind of comes into your own morals, your own ethics. Exactly. So as my morals and my ethics kind of adapted and saw different perspectives, because I do very much believe in protecting someone or protecting yourself, even if that means harm may come to someone else. Dealt with a lot of uh, domestic abuse growing up. So I, I understand the need to like, sometimes there is a need to hurt someone in a defensive way. And so in the same concept is with magic or energy work. Dark magic can be... And of course, there's dark, there's black, and I'm not super specific on the details of those because that's not where I work heavily. Uh, but dark magic can be hexing, cursing, removing someone's magic, so it binding, if you will, causing physical harm or lethal harm to someone else through magic. Uh, it can be working with spirits and demons to also carry out those same kind of goals. Gray magic is a little bit in the middle. So you mostly do work to help good, at least for me personally. Gray can mean can mean different things depending on the gray witch. So you mostly do things to help others, but also there's a time and a place for justifiable magic. Um, there are all the colors of the rainbow. I typically stick with gray because it can call, call in all of those colors. But so a red magic or pink magic, uh, you're going to be working a lot with with love or passion or uh, anger or rage. Uh, if you're on the rage side, obviously that's a little more towards gray or dark red. Uh, so if you work with green, that can be everything from prosperity to working with herbs or earth magic. So it just kind of depends on what you, every single color has a correspondence to a different type of magic. The simple way, like I said, I'm a lazy, lazy witch. The simple way to boil all that down is if you want to work with any of the colors, you can either work with white or black candles. That's because black contains all of those and white kind of deflects all of those, if that makes sense. Like if you think about snow, it just kind of like reflects all of those, all of those colors. So it's really it's related cool to the color spectrum, right? Yeah. In a is lot it, of ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which we experience in the chakra system as well. So each chakra yeah. has a different color and it has a holds and contains different types of frequencies and different types of subjects. And so it's exactly. Um, and you can research all of those. I've not yet met a witch that was strictly one color unless they were white or black or gray. But you can dive into each one of those colors. A kitchen witchery or hedge witchery or herb witchery is that's going to be most of your greens. Working with water or moon water or rivers or waterways, more of your blues. So it kind of gives you an idea. Uh, Dolores Cannon's one of her newest books released called The Horn Goddess and the one of the people in the past lives talks about that works at with 
earth magic and the mother goddess. And she says, she's like, yeah, sometimes you use that other magic because someone's hurting you and it's okay because sometimes storms happen. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Tsunamis and earthquakes and yeah, exactly. And the way I see it is, and this is a quote from the National Treasure, so forgive me. But the way I see it is, if you have the ability, you then have the responsibility. And so if you know that either you're being hurt or that person is hurting someone else, and you have the ability to correct or stop or shift, then you have the responsibility. And I take that very seriously. I love how you are so succinct at explaining things. It's one of my like most favorite things about you. Thank you. You you really make things so easy to just digest and understand. And, and you work with big stuff like magic, shadow work, money. I just, and these are scary things, especially I think for women, because I mean, obviously magic. I mean, that's just like many of us are now coming to like, we were afraid of the stake or we were just drowned or rocks thrown at it. It was a great time. You guys, we were stabbed all the good stuff. Ironically, working through my own fears of persecution was one of the first things I had to do with shadow work in order to start telling people, even like people close to me about the magic that I that I had access to and the areas of magic that I had worked with, whether because I went searching for them or they found me like working with demons and angels. Like that's when I say working with demons, I don't mean actually partnering with them. I just want to be very clear. Right. <laughs> I just mean somebody has to take out the trash. That's what I mean. Starting to talk to people <laughs> that I really had to work with my own fears of persecution because I have a lot of really strong past life memories of the Salem witch child of, you know, being in Salem. And that, that's a perfect example of culminating magic and shadow work to move forward in life and I did the same thing with with money before I could even believe that like I could help other people with their money I had to not only help myself with money but help myself with my own shadow work around poverty mindset scarcity mindset yeah believing that I could I mean I grew up on food stamps and WIC and you know my mom at the she was a single mom of three before I was 18. The The job that where she had the highest salary was like 40,000 raising three kids on it, which at yeah. the time was, was pretty good. Uh, and that was only like at one point where she had that job. So that was not like the norm of my childhood, but moving into my adulthood, like one of the, the shadows I had to process was the first time I had a job where I was making more than her when she was raising three kids and I was raising none. And I was like, Whoa, So that's just one example of like shadows that I help people kind of work through, not only as they're strategizing their money, but they're strategizing their mindset about money. Because if you can give someone who is used to holding like a paycheck to paycheck mindset, if you give them a lottery, their mindset is still operating on that scarcity level, on that scarcity level. You have to rewrite that or it doesn't matter how much money they have their their subconscious will find a way to get back to that same mind mm-hmm. that same category that same program of living paycheck to paycheck or living in that I don't have enough to make it to payday Friday you know and I've learned this with myself you have to rewrite that coding and face those those mindsets before you can really feel comfortable having access to more money and then you have to do it again and that's the thing about shadow work is I kind of think of it as playing Mario Brothers, like old school Mario Brothers, where you had to face Bowser. Yeah, so yeah. Like every, <laughs> so like, every, that's what I think of, of like, 
shadow work is you have to face Bowser. And then like every third time you face Bowser, he's like big Bowser. And so you have to like keep going through the shadow until you face it from all these angles. And you're like, cool, we can put that to bed. What's next? Oh yeah, another Bowser. So it's <laughs> these are scary topics. And they were scary to me too. But the way I saw it as a kid, I was like, okay, well I can either just repeat what my parents did in life which obviously didn't work out so great because none of us are happy or I can forge a new path. That means an adventure, but in a scary way, like forging a new path. Like you don't know if there's, if there's snakes down that path, you don't, you yeah, don't know what the yeah, path right. Like you've got to, you've got to figure it out as you go. And so for me, like, yeah, it was scary, but I wanted to demystify it. I wanted to help people have a better grasp of it. And if that meant going first into the forest, then okay, I'll go first into the forest and I'll, you know, help you find your footing as we move through it together. So I know that you are, you you do helpful magic for people. You're also a Reiki master. This is an interesting thing that's been coming up for me a lot is people keep saying to me, well, it's really hard for healers or helpful people to ask for money for things. And a lot of people have blocks around that. And I kept going, I don't have any blocks around that. Like that was my initial thing was like, I don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like this whole like sassy. And then I thought about it and I was like, holy, I must because I keep having this issue where it's like we do something, we put together an event or whatever, and then we end up with like Trump change at the end of it kind of deal. And I'm like, well, how? why am I doing this? Why am I taking something that, sh- that I've created that's beautiful that I'm putting out to the world and expecting to get back like pennies in return for it? It's like a some self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. It always seems to happen that way at the end of it. I get to the end and I'm like, where did all that money go from that thing? You know, and I think I do have this block around being a healer and creating these helpful things and then profiting off of it. It's hard. It's, it's, it is, it is a bit of like self-sabotage probably because yeah. we get into these discussions, you know, and it's like, oh, well, we should spend a little here. Oh, well, we should get him a little gift or, and then we end up like spending all of our money on the event to be more helpful. Right. People there. When it, <laughs> yeah. So, and you're right. Like you don't, it doesn't sound like you have a shadow around asking for money, but it does sound like you have a shadow around profiting from something that, that shouldn't cost money. And you're, and you're right. Like helping people spiritually, helping people to lean into their own spirituality and figure out what their path is and helping people to help their kids come into a world that's more inclusive and that's these are things that that shouldn't cause profit but un, you know unfortunately we do live in a capitalist world in a capitalist country and a couple of things that really helped me because i had to go through that same thing like when i first started reading tarot for people i would be like, like there was a part of me that was like no these are gifts i shouldn't charge for these i shouldn't take money for these it's it's a sin so i really had to work through some of this and what helped me a lot was realizing that it's not just the gift it's the energetic exchange like I expend a lot of energy tapping into the conduit especially doing it over and over and over and over again yeah. like the um, last week I read for like 11 hours straight like that's a lot and <laughs> so and I was and then I wondered why I had a migraine for two days after because like it takes a toll to, to process that much energy but one thing that really helped me was looking at the energetic exchange um, looking at my ability to receive because I really struggled. I'm a giver and I'm a people pleaser and I'm, I'm a, I apologize. I'm a recovering people pleaser trying to be careful with my words. I want to help people and then not take anything in, in return because you know, no, 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 no. But then I realized that there are people who are 
givers elsewhere. And if I am stopping them from giving to me, which means I'm stopping myself from receiving, essentially I'm taking their agency away to give and to get joy and love from giving. And that didn't feel right. So I had to start that path of receiving in a people pleaser way of I want to people please them into giving and loving. So I will force myself to receive. And then I started to open up more to it of working with my ability to receive without feeling the need to give back because I do give so much, but there has to be a balance, especially as women. That's part of our divine femininity is the ability to receive without strings attached, without expectation to give back immediately. So that really helped me. And then just seeing that there is money in the world. Like there's, even when we're in a recession, even when we're, a lot of people have financial downturns, like there is money. When I was first getting into the coaching industry, which I don't really consider myself a coach. I'm more of a strategist and helping people strategize their own lives. There is some kind of hand in hand with that. So seeing a lot of the coaching industry around me and the the monies that they were charging and receiving and how much they were making in a month or in a year and just seeing like there is money, we may not think that there is in certain areas. And so we may be like, oh, oh, I don't want to charge too much because they may not have it, which again is us taking agent taking agency away from other people, from them being able to verbalize for themselves, that's not something I can afford because they deserve that right. They deserve the right to communicate for themselves. But a lot of times as people pleasers and healers, we have learned to kind of anticipate what someone else might say and immediately work around it before they even say it. So a lot of that is that shadow work of trying to, to rewrite that, of let them let them come to me with the objection. It's not, if someone can't afford it, someone can't afford it. They're going to know that. And whether it's they know it because they can't afford it or they know it because they don't feel like they can and they don't want to work towards affording it. Regardless, I'm here to support your decision. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm here to help when you're ready to receive help, whatever that may look like. But if Susan can't afford it, April might be able to. You know what I mean? Right. So by setting by setting your profits to what Susan can afford, April may be like, no, I don't think that really works for me. Sometimes having different tiers or having uh, donation options or having uh, options where you can do uh, financial assistance for certain like scholarships, et cetera. And sometimes those that are like in April status where they can afford more, you can even invite them to pay a higher amount to add to a donation or, or a scholarship of fund for people where like Susan, maybe not be able to, to afford. And so it kind of helps on both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, working with a shadow where can I hold profits? And that's something that I continue to work with and get a little bit better each time I face Bowser. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it, so intertwined that healers for free, because even in the story of Yeshua, right? They're like, well, he didn't take any money yet. Yeah, no, because his entourage was fully funded by a wealthy person. Like, so they mm-hmm. could just go and have, and where they stayed, you know, in the communities, they stayed in nursing. They didn't have money. They all kind of knew what they were doing. So they were already there in the knowing of fulfillment and love and all of that stuff. But, but people are like, no, he just went around and people, no, no, mm-mm. No, he was fully funded by a man who ran the tin company, like the empire, like that's real life. So when you start looking at the history of where it goes in, right? And you think about all of that, it is just so integrated in our system in completeness from it. And then especially if you're a woman, you're just supposed to 
just give it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so changing that, changing that dynamic and that expectation of holding money and not in a miser kind of way, you know, not in a Scrooge kind of way. There was a coach that I worked with years ago, Ayana Nefertari. Nefertiri. She said something that really impacted me. She she wanted to look at the why behind the selfish desire. And so the example that she gave, which has I've kind of expanded from there, of uh, she said, I want a million followers because that means I can help even more people. So it's like expanding your audience because you're expanding your average of numbers. So then you can access more people and help more people. And so I look at it the same thing with money of not only do I want to expand my my audience, but I also want to expand my client base. And a lot of times when you look at like the law of of numbers and the averaging of numbers, you're not going to have a hundred percent average of your audience that are becoming clients. If you want more clients, you need more audience. And if you are charging more, we're charging a a steady amount, whatever that may be. And you have cash flow coming in, holding on to some of that money, making sure that you're holding on to at least a percentage of that so that you can put back into your business to again, expand your audience and help more people and have scholarships and donate and build here and build there. So it's not necessarily profiting. Like there is a need to profit because we have to, we have to live. We, you know, everything costs money, food, fuel, flights, everything, additional education, uh, clothing, uh, whatever, everything costs money. And so if it helps to look at it, which this is what helps me, if it helps to look at it as profiting really for the sake of putting back into yourself and into your business, because you have huge dreams, Sammy and Allison, you guys have huge, beautiful dreams that are going to cost money. And so yeah. holding on to that profit, it's not like, it's not like you're trying to get rich with your little, you know, Daffy Duck gold bundle here. Like You're, <laughs> you're, you're yeah. wanting to kind of pull, call in that money so that you can then put that into your dreams. And yeah, you want to live comfortably. We all do. With the, the one thing that really does frustrate me about capitalism is that a lot of times capitalism doesn't take into account the energy exchange. It really doesn't. So the amount of energy that we expend and then need to recharge. And that's, that's even with like, we're all Reiki masters. So even with that, like logically we know we should only give of our excess, but there are times where that just doesn't happen. Sometimes you have to dip into the pail. So then taking the time to recharge, taking the time to physically deal with the ramifications of overexpending your energy, all of that takes time and time is money. Time is the only thing that makes all of us on one even keel. Allison's actually just coming off of a Reiki weekend and she texts me and she's like, man, I forgot how exhausting it is the next like two days after. And I, I think you reframed it so beautifully. I'm not making money because I want to like steal from people and take their take their livelihood away from them. It's like, I need the time to recharge afterwards. And for that to happen, I need that extra money in my bank account so that I'm not out there like scrambling the next day, depleting myself and then giving from my pail instead of giving from my reserve. I very much appreciate that, (laughs) that reframing that you just did there because it's something I definitely needed to hear today. And and hopefully other healers and and workers out there are listening because it's important. Absolutely. You're important. (laughs) The, the way I see it is our our physical vessels, our, our bodies, our human selves, it can only handle so much wear and tear. And a lot of times, like you'll notice when you talk to, to healers of all ages, a lot of times they kind of turned to healing because their own body started breaking down yep. and they wanted a way to kind of like extend 
the use of their body basically and that was a lot of it that was kind of where it started with me like I had already been doing energy work to help other people but then when my body started breaking down I had to shift gears and be like okay well we can't just give 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 I've got to find a way to also make sure that I can sustainably give which means I have to take care of my own body and my own mind and my own energy and so a, a lot of what I do when I when I guide others is I work from a place of relatability because I have been through so many different types of adversity and, and situations and experiences that I have learned to overcome and rewrite. And so a lot of times when I help, when I guide others, it's, it's because I've been through this, you know, that's one of them. My entire nervous system started breaking down and it changed my entire life. And so not only did I go through two different layoffs and the financial ramifications of that. Uh, but I went through having to learn to be my own advocate, to speak on my own behalf and do my own research when it came to doctors that really didn't understand what I was going through and felt very content with the level uh, that I had gotten to like of, of well, yeah. she's maintaining. So, and I'm not really a maintaining kind of person. <laughs> so I was like, well, this might be good enough for you. But it's not good enough for me. So I'm going to like look into some other things. So a lot of that, that's why I kind of started to lean more into shadow work and energy work and financial work was I was like, I know what it's like to go through poverty and layoffs and going from making 62,000 a year to making 25,000 a year in the snap of fingers and yeah. having to adjust everything in the meantime and like keep afloat while also like processing your entire life changing, like losing a career and trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life because that career was no longer open to you and neither was the degree you spent so long with. Uh, how do you, when everything is falling apart and you're having a tower moment like what do you do how how do you just let it all fall fall apart around you and yeah. then slowly put the Jenga tower back together like so because I've been through that I know I know how devastating it can be and I know how enriching it can be and I know how terrifying it can be to face alone and so giving the tools and a lot of what I do is I help sustainably provide concrete tools and steps so that people when they in when they are in those moments of crisis they don't have to remember or even reach out to me they they can just be like oh yeah okay there's steps that's cool okay sustainably how can I move from terror and devastation to slowly piecing my life back together in these different areas and yeah. you know fixing yourself and having compassion for yourself and because my goal is not to breed dependency my goal is to create sustainable steps so that people can help themselves and then help others because we have seven and a half billion people in this world and I can't help all right. of them myself like yeah. I want to I just I literally can't help all of them myself and which is again kind of goes back to the selfishness of wanting to have a large audience wanting to have a lot of followers wanting to have a lot of those likes and subscribes and shares etc because growing that that audience even if it just plants a seed where they never even come to me for aid but they start looking in their own yeah. life of how can I exchange in these, these cards, this crappy Texas Hold'em hand for new <laughs> cards and start building my, a better hand. Yeah. The empowerment. It's so important. I don't know about you guys, but I could talk to you all day long, which <laughs> I do when we're not podcasting, which is so great. Before we get off, can you tell people, um, and we'll have this in the notes and Sammy does all of the magic stuff that she does. Can you just, I, I'm an audio person, so I like to hear. Can you tell people where they can find you, 
um, if you're comfortable where you're located of what you're up to, like that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I have everything on a link tree, including all of my socials, all of uh, my, my website will soon be on there as well. Uh, it's almost uh, finished with its rebrand, which I'm super excited about. Uh, so it's linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E uh, forward slash Tiffany Fitzpatrick. And so everything is there, uh, including what's going on. Like this podcast will be on there too. Um, so podcasts that I'm doing or things that I'm, that I'm going to events and whatnot. Um, and I also have, I'm accepting new clients for shadow work, one-on-one strategy sessions with shadow work for a three month intensive. So the questionnaire is on there. If you just want to hop on there and just see what the questions are like, uh, and you want to send that in and we can do a, a chat I also have a lot of events coming up. I'm located in Greencastle, Indiana, but I read virtually. So my tarot calendar, which is also my bones calendar, is on my link tree, uh, or you can find me at several events coming up this year around the Indiana, Illinois, Ohio area. Um, I'm super excited. One thing that I'm so excited about for next month is... I was actually invited to be a part of a paranormal history podcast down there in Florida for a bed and breakfast. So a a couple of podcasters that are just amazing met me at another event and invited me down to be a part of their grand opening down in Tampa Bay. And I think that's on my link tree. If not, it will be after I check after this podcast. (laughs) Um, Because now I'm trying to remember ADHD brain. But no, I'm super excited about that. Uh, Being just being a part of that reading for their guests. And I love part of my work of receiving is I love being invited to be a part of like podcasts like this to enrich the female community and invited to events and shops to read for them and pass on strategic sessions through tarot and bones and this life is a blessing even even when hardships come up there's there's a lot of blessings to it I just love you man (laughs) I love you too (laughs) so great thanks so much for coming on Tiffany's also in Palustian life if you want to check her out there too she's on the website (laughs) you can you can schedule her that way she does a lot of events with us which is really wonderful to have her expertise. One thing I do want to mention before we wrap up is while I absolutely support and uh, myself, I also charge for a lot of my services. I have a variety of options to help with that. You know, everyone is in a different economic status. When it comes to financial strategy, I actually do that for free. I don't charge for helping set up financial strategies for other people. Um, I work almost exclusively with Main Street America. So I help people in that are that are in that that middle to lower class arena to create their own plans for financial independence and just just financial literacy in general of understanding more about money that we're not taught in schools and we're not taught by the banks and the insurance companies and so when I set up a financial strategy for people I don't charge them Uh, I know a lot of people do and that can be a hindrance and that can kind of feel scary if you it's a beautiful thing you're really well versed you really know what you're talking about Thank you. Like, really yeah, that. it's worth it. It's so scary not knowing the words. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh, like, cause you rather, you're like, yeah, 401k, rather, all right. Da, 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 da. And everyone's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> running away, running away yeah. now. But you really do. You're just so good at just explaining it and making it not scary. Thank you. I appreciate that. We, we deserve to have that information. We deserve, when I say we, I mean every single person, regardless of economic yeah. background or age or education. We deserve to have the knowledge 
of financial literacy, of understanding our own mindsets, of understanding our own energetics and how to protect our energetics and expand them and lean into our spiritual gifts without fear and shame and guilt. And and I, I just want to mow over all of those roadblocks and make it easier for people. Thanks for what you do, friend. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to your podcast, friends. Yeah, Absolutely. Good time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you again so much, Tiffany, and we will see you next time. Bye.